Please note, this episode contains some strong language. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Wait, I'm hitting record. Does it say recording your end? Yeah. Yes. So... This is like a long-awaited podcast episode, I feel like. We've tried to do this several times, and I know it's going to be totally worth it. And I know I say this at the start of every episode, (laughs) but I am genuinely chuffed to bits to be speaking to my friend, who I haven't seen in a long time, Martin J. Barnes. (laughs) Hi, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. And it's been, it has been a long time coming. We tried first when I was, was it in Marrakesh? Yes. A couple of times there, internet connection was bad. So finally, finally, I'm here and we're talking. It's been so many years, Lisa. Unbelievable. I I know, this is the thing. I I sometimes stumble across old photographs of stuff that we did together back in the day. And I'm like, it feels like five minutes ago, but it also feels like a lifetime ago. So I will explain Martin, you are a professional dancer and choreographer, amongst other things that we're totally going to get into. You have so many skills and so many things in your armory um, and things that I haven't known you for only on social media. So I'm dead excited to get into because it's been a long time since we've seen each other and worked together. But I think you just like hold a really like special place in my heart because that was like a really specific time professionally for me, like going into my first professional job. And I think I met you on like the night before I started the job where we were at a dinner at McRobert and it was because we were going to be working on this project in a school in Clipmanninshire and we went to McRobert for a a dinner and the the crowd from Ish were there and they were like, this is Martin, you're going to be working with Martin. I was like, right, cool. Like what? (laughs) And it was just like deep end, absolute deep end. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow, that's a very vague memory of mine, but it does ring a bell. I'm like, I went to dinner with the ish people. Lisa was there. So I'll tell you exactly when it was. And actually, it's, it's a wonder because my memory is terrible at the best of times. But it was 2005 and I had got the role as dance artist in residence for STDT. And they were like, you're going to be working on this project this week. Literally this week, you're going to be in a school working on a project. This company, Ish from Amsterdam, are over to work with the, the young people. And you're going to connect with this local dancer, Martin. He's amazing. He's self-taught. He's like, awesome he's going to be working with Ish and you're going to be working with Ish and it, there, there's going to be like a performance at the end of it and you're going to make all this stuff and yeah that was like my first week in that job and you know I was like where's Clark Manager? I didn't even know what it was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? yeah no the thing was the um I do remember like they were telling me yeah you're going to connect with uh with this girl called Lisa she's uh, uh she's just been hired for STDT blah blah you're going to do all this and I thought okay cool what I remember was when I first met you, you had so much energy. You were so energetic and enthusiastic. I was like, holy shit, who is this person? The thing, the, the, the unique thing that I remember about that time was how well we clicked when we first started working together. Because for me, it was also my first big job in a sense. 
So for for the both of us, we're in in coming from different angles, but in the same boat. And it was just yeah, it was. I remember I had a great time. I had I had a, I had a great time working with you. Yeah, I remember sitting, <laughs> coming up with scenes. We did an umbrella scene. That was your idea, right? I mean, because yeah, I want to do a scene with umbrellas. I'm like, umbrellas. Why do you want to dance with an umbrella? <laughs> but it turned out well because I mean, I was obviously not as a uh, what do you call it, um, broad-minded in that sense and, and that, in that and angle of creativity. And you came with it, and I thought, huh? But that was me, not you. I mean, you you came with the creativity, and I was like, let's go with it, and we went with it, and it turned out. And I'm, I remember, I do remember looking at it thinking. Wow, she was right. This looks really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a massive compliment coming from you because I just remember thinking, "Wow!" Like seeing you, even just like in rehearsals when, because obviously we were there to teach and it was the young people that were performing. But anytime I saw you teach, or you know, you were just in the corner, like having a go at like a move, or just going through some of your own kind of like repertoire, if you like, I was just like, "This guy." is like how do people not know like obviously in that area in clip manager you were well known mm. for teaching dance and performing but at, at that point in your career mm. you were amazing like i could not believe how good you were which then obviously led to you then going to work with Hish and go, moving abroad and like your whole dance career taking off big style going backwards for a second like up until that point before i met you Hmm. What was your kind of dance influence? Like, who was inspiring you? Was there anyone in your family that were dancers? Like, how did you get into it? Um, you know, I, I remember when, okay, let's go way back when I was younger. Um, when I used to live in Manchester, we always, at the end of the street, we'd always have these little dance competitions. So we had, we, we couldn't, we didn't have a stereo or speaker outside. So we just had to like sing the songs or sort of, crappy ass beatboxing type situation <laughs> and you'd get someone doing the moves and then we'd judge each other and say who's the winner and so on and so forth and uh um we were with three or four of us and we all did it and i i wasn't the winner but i didn't like the fact that i wasn't the winner <laughs> i didn't like it what? yeah i was like why not and they were like yeah because you would do it and you look back and you think oh you're just a kid you know you're being like that but when i was in around that age as well my mother used to um, no, sorry, let me go even further back. When I was younger, my mother used to pick me up by my arms. And when the music was playing, she'd bounce me on the beat constantly. She did it all the time. And when she put me to, when she wanted to put me to sleep when I was younger, she put me in a, uh, I was going to say a basket. She never put me in a basket. <laughs> she, put me in a, she put me in my cot, right? Yeah. And she put me right next to the speaker and she'd turn the music up. And then I would stop. She said to me, whenever you heard the music, you stopped and you just kind of looked around as if to say, what's going on? And you were dead quiet and then you would fall asleep. And then jump about 10, 15 years. I said to her, see, that's why I listen to music now loud and you're annoyed by it because we used to live together. You're annoyed by it because you used to do that when I was a kid. That's your fault. That's what, <laughs> that's what I said to her. It's been instilled in me. But um, so basically, when when it came to music and dance and rhythm and stuff, it was sort of um, sort of indirectly, inst like you just said, instilled in me, so I can follow the music. And I used to listen to music very differently. So I used to, um, when I would hear a song, I wouldn't just first I would hear the whole thing. Then I would sort of break it down in my own mind. When can I hear the just the kicks? The, or I, would, I would just focus on the kicks and I would focus on either the clap or the snare. And then I would try and hear the different melodies in the background. How many layers are there? Or just the hi-hats. 
you tone out everything else. So that kind of helped me as well um, develop a musicality in a sense. Did you attend like dance school? Did, did no. your mum send you to lessons or anything? No. That no. blows my mind. Like, because I remember them saying, oh, you know, it was like Martin, oh, yeah, he's self taught. And I think like, there was a kind of like emphasis on that. But that was purely because you were so, so good. It was like, he's just got this absolute innate ability and skill. It's like you're born to do it. And, mm -hmm. and everybody was saying that at the time. And it just blew my mind that you'd never stepped inside the dance class. Like for you to confirm that still nowadays, I'm like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I never, I never went to it. I, if I did, I really don't remember. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> I would remember going to my first dance class. I don't think that's something you would forget. Yeah. Um, but no, at that time I didn't. And um, bearing in mind, yes, I was self-taught, so I learned from you know basically just dancing by myself in my room or dancing with my sister, Maxine. We used to dance at Christmas times or, for example, doing little dance competitions together. Or I would see what was on, uh, wasn't YouTube in that time, so it was just MTV or whatever, and I would just copy it, try and learn it. I would um, watch documentaries on, uh, on dancing and just see what they were doing and try and copy it myself. Now, the thing is, you obviously don't learn the right technique. You just do what you think it is. So when it comes to uh, being technically trained or classically trained, I wasn't any of that. So there was a lot. I was a, there was a huge variety or a huge area that I just did not know about. You know, so I, whatever I was doing, I was good at that one particular thing. So there was plenty more that I just didn't know, and I wasn't experiencing it. Really. A lot of people did say, "Oh, he's really good. He's really..." Nah, 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 nah. And yes, I was very cocky and arrogant about my skills back then. And, I don't uh, think you were. You didn't come across like that in any way she performed, like when we were together. When I, when I look back, I'm like, you know, with some of the things I did, um, the way I was with particular things. But I was also very eager to learn. I was very hungry, you know. Totally. I, that I again, like like I say, not just on that project, but obviously we worked on a couple other things in different classes. I remember we did the projection that was on the Killing Craig's building. I remember. <sighs> That's what caused all the controversy because I had a crop top on and like a person wrote a letter to complain that I was showing my midriff. Oh my God. And then you, I can remember you came through and you stayed in my house and you taught my little dance class in Bell Cell at the time. Like, so we had like many interactions. I just remember you always being really like a great teacher, somebody who was always willing to like collaborate and think outside the box, like... So that arrogant side, I did not see that. So I think I think you're giving yourself a bad rap there. At that time, do you think you were hankering after something bigger? Oh, so obviously yeah. you got the op the opportunity with Ish. I had immense amount of support with the club manager council that I was working with. Everyone helped me. They were like a rock for me. They anything that I needed, they got for me. Anything that I asked for, they got for me. Anything I wanted or wanted to uh, work out with them, they did their best to make it happen. They gave me the opportunities. They brought me in contact with Ish because they were the ones that hired Ish to come over and said, here, Martin, work with them. So they made that connection. Without them, it would have been very difficult for me to have that particular connection, you know, and I didn't know anything about Ish or anything like that. So it probably wouldn't have went that way. <clears throat> so big shout out to Climate Manager Council for that, for uh, the help yeah. that they gave me big time. That's it. My younger sister, they would, that's it. They wanted to start up dance classes in Climate Manager. So my younger sister apparently told them about me, right? Bearing in mind, I had no teaching experience at the time. This is way before you came into the picture. 
So Karen came onto my place, interviewed me. I felt the interview went well. But a few years back, um, I spoke to Karen again because we bumped into each other and we met up. And she said to me, after the first interview, I thought, this guy's not going to do it. <laughs> not going not to interview <laughs> like, she, she said to me, I didn't believe it. I didn't trust that it would happen. I didn't think that you had what it takes to run the class. She said, but something in me told me, just give him a chance. And I said to her at that moment, I said, I'm glad you did because it changed everything for me. That all went through for a few months, for a while. Then the whole ish thing came. So once I got a taste of all of that, I wanted bigger and more things. So Clap Manishai for me became too small, if if that makes sense. So I, I wanted to jump into a bigger pond and then... I spoke to, I can't remember who I spoke to, but I wanted to audition for Ish. Well, it just made perfect sense when, like, I was told that you were going to move and, and go work with Ish and train with Ish. I was just like, hi, because it, it just seemed like the perfect fit. But it's, that's a huge deal. I mean, obviously, you moved from Manchester to Young Person to Club Manager. Mm. But then, to, I mean, yeah. we're talking about branching out. Club Manager is the weirdest county in Scotland. And then you're like, you're moving abroad to go and train and work with this company like that's a massive deal how did that all go down how did you feel about all of that experience um do you know when you know um when they say ignorance is bliss right because i wasn't aware of um the how drastic the changes are going to be and the consequences that you may face going through life another country another language another culture add them up there's even more because you're ignorant about that you don't you, you don't think about it. You just think oh, next step, and you get excited, and you want to go. So you're you are afraid in a way. You you are scared about what may be because you just don't know. But you're all, you're more at that time and at that age in your life. You don't really have the capability to think. Um, no, let me rephrase that. The capability of thinking much much further than yourself is seldom in an individual of that age. Because of my excitement of things happening. The fear that I had was minuscule compared to the excitement. Therefore, my drive was like, let's go. And I, that's why I went for it. But then it's like when you open the door, bosh, life is... <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because you, you must have been pretty young. You must have been pretty young at that time, eh? I think I was 20 when I auditioned and 21 when I moved. Yeah. I moved, actually, where it was at the time. When I auditioned, they, they were in the east part of Amsterdam. So I went to that building. And when I actually moved, they were in the West, so they, they had moved as well. They had a, uh, it was a huge building, and they occupied the canteen and one, two, I think two of the massive halls. They, these halls were like the size of basketball courts. They were huge. On the, on the side of the building was an adjoining apartment, and I think they had some rooms upstairs as well. So for the first instance, they, they put me up in, an, in a sort of what they call anti-crack, and anti-crack is... Uh, where a building is being refurbished, but in the meantime, nothing's being done. So instead of squatters going in, they put someone in there. So I lived there for, I think it was two weeks or something. I think it was two weeks to a month, something like that. But I was flipping out because I was like, I don't, I don't know anybody. There was nothing in the apartment. There was like one single bed. That's it, just me. And I didn't know anything about where the stores were, what to buy, nothing. So I had to learn everything. Then I moved, I got to know one of the guys at the company and then I'm, they let me live with him. He let me live with him for a couple of weeks, but that didn't go well because I didn't. It, it was like a one-bedroom apartment, and it was. <laughs> I slept on the floor, 
on the floor with a duvet and a pillow. The reason why it took so long is because I went through the voluntary service. It was the EVS, European Voluntary Service, I think it was called. Cool. It was up to them to find me an apartment to live in. But it was it's so difficult in Amsterdam, so it was very hard for them to find me one. So they were doing it at the same time, but it just took a while, and eventually they got me one, and then they put me into the apartment. Got yeah. Well, like, were you on a training scheme with them, or were you going in as a professional dancer and just expected to learn on the job? They had a program that they they had uh, different levels within uh, within the company, and so I started at one of the lower levels, and that's where they got basically talented young uh, dancers or could be athletes or somebody who does BMXing or D, uh, DJing or MCing or whatever. Anyone who had a talent, it was actually really good at the talent enough to put it on a stage, they recruited them basically. So they weren't in the professional field. They were just, let's call them amateurs. So I was part of that. That's, that's, what, that's what I was. And through the EVS, it was through, I think it was a one-year program through the EVS. So the, what they did was the company-ish, they didn't have to pay me the full salary they would normally pay the other dancers. They had to pay me what the EVS required to pay me. So basically I was in like an anti-crack house um, with less than minimum wage and nothing in there except for me, myself, and my bed. But at the time I thought, I don't give a shit. Look where I am. I'm dancing. I'm performing. I'm going on tour. I can build the rest of that shit. It's fine. Go for it. You know, it does play on your mind because you think you want to succeed and you want to grow and you want to uh, gather. And it is a reflection upon your state at that time. It's a reflection upon where you are in your life. But then you have to look at, um, even though you haven't got like, I don't know, a 50-inch TV or, or a couch that's made of leather for whatever, you know, something that's... It's, it's like a representation of the wealth that you've accumulated because of the success that you have in your field. Now, I wasn't that successful in my field at that time, so I didn't have anything material. So when you look, when I look at it, I'm like, at that time, it just made me more hungry to be more successful. Because at that time, obviously, you it felt like you just, you were in like another world almost. And it, obviously, now we have social media. Like, even at that time, mm. social media wasn't even that prevalent. Like, I remember finding you on Instagram, but it was years later. And, you know, it's like nice to now catch up at this point in your career, like so many years later, because we're talking like, it must have been what, 2006 or seven then? Around about that time? Uh, when I moved, it was 2006. It was 15 years mm-hmm. ago. That time ish, and I know we're like almost like just trying to like condense that down into a couple of like almost moments. But are there particular highlights like the, the traveling that you got to do with ish, any performances, any collaborations that you know? I remember just watching a showreel that you had at the time and just being totally blown away with just even that footage that was on there, like some of the stuff that you'd done. Is there particular moments that just stand out for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> One of the moments, there's two moments in in the audition week that I came over here, came over here to audition for Ish. Anyway, so what happened? I was in the dojo. We they had like a martial arts dojo in, in uh, for the audition week in the, in the next room, and we were learning kicks, tricks, and flips and stuff like. That. I was basic beginner. This one guy came in, Kier, his name was. This guy, oh my days, he's like spinning and flying in, kicking in. I was just looking at him, thinking this guy's from another planet. I don't know what. I don't know what he's doing, but I want to learn that. When you see someone that's something that inspiring, you just want to learn it. He did this, what we call a butterfly twist. And um, 
you do the butterfly kick, but then you do a 360 twist, you're horizontal in the air, and you do a 360 twist. So he kept doing it. This guy was throwing them out like cookies. He's like, no, 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 twist, 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 twist. And I thought, nah, nah. So then I asked him, I said, how do you do that? So he said, you have to do the butterfly kick. So you like a scissor kick in the air. So I learned the kick. And it was I, was I was heavy. I felt really heavy when I was doing it. So I would learn the kick, 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 kick. And I said, well, how do you twist it? He said, basically, you do, when you're at the, the most horizontal point of the kick, you punch your arm from one side, cross your body to the other side, and turn your head at the same time. And I thought, right, that doesn't sound difficult at all. <laughs> and he's like, no, really. And then he went, he went doo -doo -doo, and did it. And I went, right, okay. So then he, I thought, nah, I'll just do another couple of kicks. And at one point, I said, I'm going to go for it. Do it. And I went for it, and I did it. And, it, and it, I, I did a perfect one, but I couldn't know because I was in the middle of it, so I didn't know what happened. And then everyone just went bonkers. And I was like, what, 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 what happened? He went, that was like the perfect butterfly twist. And I went, oh, shit. I went, I did it again. Eh, wrong. <laughs> so it's all, we're doing this look, and it just, I just messed it up. And I couldn't do it right again after that. I kept trying and trying, but I got so tired. And I got so tired, you lose focus. Right. At the back of the dojo, there was a, a window with a rack with some uh, martial arts sticks on it. Me, not listening to my not listening to my body or my mind, my ego took over. I was like, no, you're going to do it. And I twisted, and I went straight into the rack, broke the rack, all the, came off the wall, the window cracked. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And then the owner came in because he, he heard what happened, and he walked in, he looked at, the, looked at the dojo, looked at the sticks. The sticks were broke. Uh, the rack was broken. The window was cracked. And he looked at me and I was like, I, I didn't know what to say. I can't remember what I said. But I think I heard that those were like authentic, genuine rack of sticks and I broke it. They must have not fallen out you with you for too long because they did keep you. <laughs> they, did, they did keep me, yeah, they did. And the second thing about that was um, they were working on a really um, a really important show that we're gonna, they were going to present in the Queen's Hall. The sound engineer was Tiesto, DJ Tiesto, to do a collaboration with him to create a whole show. And the last day that they were rehearsing, I was I was seeing what they were doing. It was amazing. I wanted to join. And I asked one of the dancers. She went to the, the owner, the, the choreographer, and asked him. She came back to me and she said, okay, he said you can join only if you shut up, don't say a word, and stay right in the back. And I thought, golden, I'm in. So I just stayed in the back and I just followed people and copied them right there and then. So I had a four-hour rehearsal and the next day I performed the show. Bearing in mind... I just followed someone. So I didn't like learn all the things that other people had to learn for their being their main, main roles. But I still felt like it was an accomplishment for me. But that's the thing. It's just like putting yourself in the mix. Like that kind of eagerness, that youthful eagerness, like you say, and sometimes it doesn't go well and you break things. But sometimes like <laughs> if you do like show initiative and you put yourself forward, like you obviously were, you were just so keen mm. to know everything and be in there and, and learn it all. It does pay off like more it often did. than not it, it paid off luckily you know um so when i got in i mean uh, highlights touring with them learning uh, learning about the new culture learning about the group the different people that i met within the groups when i was learning everything all this because you learned all the skills that other people knew and they knew a lot of things that i didn't know so i became even more hungry but then i think that's also where my ego came into play my cockiness sort of built up because I started learning a lot of things and becoming sort of reasonably good at picking up quickly and learning a different style quickly. And I think that also took over 
no, I don't think. I know that took over, and it paid in part in my uh, my cockiness and my arrogance, which led to it, which was only to my own detriment at the same at that time. You know, you open a door, you get punched in the face by life. So that's what you do. <laughs> and I, I it, I'm glad. I'm actually, I'm glad it happened because it, it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about what it is, the the steps that I've taken, the steps I took afterwards, the moves that I made, the choices that I made. Learn from them, see them in hindsight, and uh, adjust yourself accordingly as you move on. Um, it also broke some of the relationships that I had with the people, and it mended and made relationships better as well in the future that I had with the people. So one of the other highlights is I got to play off-Broadway with one of the shows in New York, and we played in the, the new Victory Theatre, it's called, and it was a show for, we took it for kids. But the show that we played, we brought it here, it was called Hyperish, and we took it over there. It was quite a dark, sinister look on uh, on the way society moves and evolves. And here in the Netherlands, you can swear, you can say anything you want to say for any age of person. Obviously, in the States, it's very different. So we had to uh, PG-13 it, let's put it like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was amazing. We went and after the premiere in in New York. They took us on a uh, took us in a stretch limo. We went through Times Square. We went everything. We went over to Brooklyn Bridge, Queens. But we didn't. It took us everywhere. We were ecstatic for the whole two weeks that we were playing these shows and the, the enthusiasm of the kids afterwards. I remember because you know how Americans get when it's when it's due to sports and everything. They're really they're really into one hundred ten percent. It's the same thing. They come after after the show. They're running at you as if you're. I don't know, as if you're like uh, Jay-Z or, or if you're Beyonce or whatever, they're running after you. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's not like Europe. It's different. It's a very different ballgame. And bearing in mind, I was only at the New, New Victory Theatre, so that's like off-Broadway. It's not musical Broadway. And how they reacted to it, and we got good reviews, and they loved us, and we loved it, and it was just amazing. That's so cool that you just had that opportunity to like travel, like you say, and work with different people and yeah. see a bit of the world and, like... In terms of like working, it sounds like it was quite collaborative in the sense that people were coming with their strengths. Did you have an opportunity to actually create any of your own work? Was there that moment where you you were able to put your own input into in terms of like what was going into a production? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they used our influence from the get go. Basically, they they did what a chore uh, what choreograph, choreographers do. They they see the person's strengths and they you know, utilize those strengths to the best of the the best in the choreography. And they also gave you certain moments when they felt like you were ready for it. They gave you certain moments that you, okay, Martin, could you choreograph this piece? Or Kyle, could you choreograph a breakdance piece for here? Or me, could you, could you make an acrobatics piece for this one? And that's how they worked basically. But then you, when you look back at it all, they, because that opportunity was given, you can then reflect upon how different your growth was from show one up to show 10, for example, the difference that you made. So, yeah, they gave me opportunities to to create and work with people and collaborate as well. And because I was also able to learn different skills of others, I was also able to incorporate particular elements of other skills within my choreography. And we all did that to a certain degree. I'm grateful for that because I do remember when I moved, moved from theatre to commercial work, like TV, uh, concerts and that kind of stuff, there was moments when people, the choreographers would be like, can anyone do a, can anyone do a flip? And I'd look around and nobody would put their hands up. And I'm like, I can do one. And then what flips can you do? Like, yeah, I can do this and this one, this one. Okay, can you do that one there? Yeah, I can do it. Okay, cool. 
or they would have to hire a tricker or a b-boy uh, mm. to come in and, and do something and then i remember in one particular production they were can anyone do this and i'm like and i looked around nobody said i was like yeah i can do it and then we moved on to the next piece and it was like can anyone do this i looked around again nobody put their hands on like yeah i can do it and i looked around and they did it again third time and i thought they're gonna think they're gonna think that i'm arrogant and i don't want to put my hand up now because it's like I can do it. You can't leave it alone. <laughs> you know? That's not what it was. It was just the things that they were asking for. I could do. And that's only because I learned it out ish because they were so versatile. They gave me that library and I was able to take that through and do it in other jobs, work it in other jobs. So I didn't go to a school, but in sense, I learned on the job from day one all the way up until now. That time at Ish obviously was really formative. Was there a pivotal moment where you, you left Ish and then you moved on to the next thing and what what has come after Ish? The pivotal moment um, when I moved from Ish, it wasn't a uh, mutual agreement and it, it it was a sour one. It was it ended quite sourly, sadly enough to say. Um, I have a responsibility on that on my part. I changed because I felt like... I was hired for for the next show and we did a two and a half week preview of the show in a place t- called uh, Tuschening and that's like in the north of um, the Netherlands on a little island because the Netherlands like peaks off in like a couple of islands like this. It was in the summertime and we did it in a, in a what you would call a massive sand pit. So it was sand hills on the side and there was like a bump in the middle. But when I'm talking about huge, I'm like the, the side of the sandpit was about, it was easy, about 50 meters. You know, you could fit an audience around if you wanted to. Um, but we were just doing the audience on one side. It was quite a lot, a couple of hundred people. Uh, and then the show was in the middle. And I remember that because we had to we had to do performance, different scenes on different areas, on the hills, at the bottom, running up and down, going inside. And I remember my legs, after the two and a half weeks, my legs just being like rocks. They were huge. And I thought... I need to run his son more. <laughs> this is big. But anyway, we uh, so I did that for two and a half weeks and then we stopped. We broke up for the summer in a sense. Anyway, I got contacted by the head person there at the time and she she asked me, do you want to be in the tour? And I said, yeah, for sure, let's do it, let's go. And this was about, what, two, maybe three months before rehearsals will start. Then... In that month or two, in that a month after that conversation, I was had this every day. I was waking up. I was like, mm, I don't, want, I don't want to do it. I don't know what to do. I was like, Why don't I want to do it? Why? Why do I keep having this thought in my mind? And it kept coming up. We don't want to. You don't want to do. You don't. And I was so scared and I was so nervous about telling him because I needed to understand why first. And I, I my reasons why was because I felt like what I was going to be used for and what I was going to be doing was repetitive as what I've done to the five, six, seven years before. So I didn't feel that was going to be any growth because I'd already went through a rehearsal period. I'd already went through the show. It was adapted because we were on sand, obviously, and it was different areas, but mm. it didn't feel for me that it was going to be the next step of evolution within my creativity or within my performance. Well, I couldn't feel it or I didn't feel I could get something out of it. So I was talking to the other one of the other guys and I said, you know when you you – you eat the same meal every single day. At one point, you're going to get tired of it. You, you can't taste it anymore. You're going to get sick of it. Not that I'm sick of it, but it's like you can't, you can't eat it. You need something else. You need some other kind of food. It's like you've got the hunger for something else. Right, yeah. And you need uh, – the hunger is growth. 
And if you're going to be repetitive in the same thing over and over again, if you don't feel like, uh, if you feel like you've utilized what you can utilize at that time for you, then you need to move on. You need to step up. And if you feel like you're not getting the opportunity where you are, but you're still hunger for more, you can't keep stagnating yourself by staying where you are and keep hitting a brick wall. So you have to make decisions. And sadly enough, the clear cut decision there was to leave. So I called them up and I told them, I told them, and I told them why. I said, I need to, I need something else. I need to be inspired in a different way. I need to expand. I said it all. They weren't happy because at that time I was also considered, not just me, but I was also considered one of the, one of the principal elements of the base. I was going to say, you must have been there, what, a number of years by this point? About eight years. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So I left and I went to I went to other things and I did uh, contemporary and worked with contemporary modern companies. Um, within that, they also because they were also classically trained. We I got classical training, ballet training every rehearsal day, every rehearsal day, and it helped. That all that technique really did help in my dancing. It really improved me a lot, and I was happy. Mm-hmm. Even though I went from like a, a pretty decent, really good salary to like bottom salary. I was learning so much and I was so inspired to stay there that I'd stayed there and I did what I did. That happened, that sort of switch to make, to get other inspiration happened to me at two pivot, pivotal moments within Ish. One was like after about four years, five years, and one was at like the eighth year and ninth year. And when I did that one, then I never went back after that. Because that was the one that turned out to be, the second one was turned out to be really sour for us. But everything is, is, is calm now, I mean... Uh, that was the one that turned everything. And from there, I went to commercial. So I went to TV, uh, music videos, concerts. And I did a couple of films too, which I'm quite proud of. Ish had the theater element locked down. They had so many different th- things in it as well as inline skating, um, extreme skating, extreme BMX, and DJ, and MC. And so they had many different elements in the, in the mm. uh, hip hop lifestyle that they uh, implemented in their shows. When it came to, and that was purely theatre-based and street culture-based, when it came to commercial, that was a whole new world that I wanted to explore. And I got the opportunity, so stopped the show, actually. I, I didn't have I didn't have something else to go to at the time when I quit the show. Wow. That's how, that's how convinced I was that I needed to leave. But obviously the boys within you, you were just like, this needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. I struggled for a bit. I really did. And I, I was also plagued with, plagued i was also riddled with uh i had four hernias not at the same time but like one after the other oh my goodness yeah you put your body through it there's no two ways about it you know you can um you can take precautions you can um do what you need to do you can take your rest there is going to be a point where your body will just say nah and something is going to happen and you'll you'll get injured no matter how small it is it's going to happen because you are using your body as a tool and you are doing uh, things on a exponential level. Also, mental um, mental stress and the weight of responsibility that you can take on when you're taking a new position and everything that's accumulated with that can also play a toll on your body and make your body not be as supportive as it needs to be. And um, then you're not aware of the damage that is being done. That's why we dancers always say, you know this, it's always say it's very important to listen to your body because your body is telling you something, not verbally, but it's telling you something, that something's not right. In the same light, like trusting your gut to do that that massive move, especially mm-hmm. when you didn't have anything set to go to, but it just felt right. And, you know, 
being in any sort of kind of performing arts job, there there is always risk of not having work or whatever. But it, so I guess it would be easy to stay put because you're like, well, you know, I'm comfortable here. I've got this opportunity. So, but yeah, for you, the the hunger was there too much to kind of like deny it almost. Yeah, yeah. No, you. That's it. That was well said. The hunger was there, and I wanted to explore more. And if I stayed, I would have had a you know a healthy paycheck, but that's not what I was looking for at the time. That's not what you were in it for. No. So then, I guess like the last time you tried to do this, you were in Marrakesh. Anything of your footage or photographs I've seen from the production you were working on looked mm. amazing. So what was that about? That was that was something different. That. I was working here in Amsterdam at a show and the owner wanted to upgrade the show. So he, he, he hired a, a choreographer. After we were together here in Amsterdam, she went back. She called me up. She said, I want to talk to you. So I spoke with her and she offered me to come to Marrakesh. So I, I thought about it for a week and I got back to her. And I was really like, I don't know about this because I was skeptical. I don't know about Marrakesh. I've only been there once on a holiday, but that's a holiday. It's different. What am I going to do? It's for at least six months. And I thought, you know what? i got nothing to lose at the moment. Let's go. And then I went. And I do not regret going, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it looked amazing. But it was. The, I mean, the production was great. Um, the style of shows that we did were great. It was so creative, so versatile. We I worked with, there were six, yeah, there were six, six female dancers and two male dancers. So me and one other guy. So we had one, we had two from the Netherlands, two from Russia, one from Germany and one from Sweden. And that was about six months. And then they extended my contract and then the whole COVID thing happened. And I got stuck there for four and a half months. I tried to get a flight, couldn't get one out. Everything closed down and I was like, damn, and I was stuck there. So you obviously came back to Amsterdam. Does that feel like home now? It feels like a, it feels like a base at the moment. Uh, it felt like a base for all these years and it felt like... It, like I've made my home here and I've made my, I've built my life here basically 15 years. You know, I went from scratch in a sense to where I am now career wise. And I, I built like a, I went through a lot through the career and now I feel like I'm in a, in a, I'm in a switch. I'd made plans while I was in Marrakesh and they hadn't came to fruition because they were stunted. My plans were stunted because of the situation. So I'm obviously not the only one that that happened to. So I had a choice. I thought, if I get out, where am I going to go to? I either go back to Scotland, where my family is living at the t- right now, or I go back to Amsterdam, where I've actually built something and I can progress in that sense. So that's why I chose to come back here. I could have went back to Scotland, but I felt like if I went back to Scotland, um, the road to where I want to go to would be, wouldn't be as laid out for me or the access, that's it. The access wouldn't be as easy as it would be here. Um, because of what I've built up here, um, and if I thought to myself, I've not, I've got not really any, not got any ties in London, and London was where I wanted to. I previously thought about going. I've not got any ties, not built up anything. So it's what I'm going to do. And um, so the the logical explanation was come back to Amsterdam. And now that I'm here and I'm in a career switch, I thought to myself, I've had the, I've had the thought and I've had the talk with a spiritual guide as well. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? And I've figured it out, and I just haven't gotten to it as of yet. Okay. Mm. Because I've seen, like, obviously on your Instagram that you are 
talented in other areas in terms of like your filmmaking like some of the footage that you've shot for other people and yourself like amazing mm. and then you know your spoken word stuff which is beautiful and I know you've been you've kind of done the whole fitness thing obviously you know as a dancer you've been keeping yourself fit but personal training and stuff so am I on the right lines is it any one of those things or do you have another thing up your sleeve Martin Barnes <laughs> <laughs> there is there is another thing up my sleeve I was procrastinating about it for a very long time because I was too scared that I wouldn't make it. It's uh, it's acting, it's acting. And when I when I saw when I was on stage because I also did a musical as well. I did a musical here when I was on stage and I the acting I loved it. When I acted when I was with Ish, it was a low level of acting, but I just love it. And if I watch theatre pieces or if I watch series or if I watch movies or something, I analyse the actors' conviction of their character. And I'm just so into it. And I just, when I think about, this is how I describe this to myself, the burning desire that I had to, when I was younger and I wanted to move to Asia, move to Amsterdam and, and become a professional dancer, that burning hunger, that, that it was like the world was on fire. You know, it was like a, a world and it was just flames on fire, but not like burning down, but like heated as in, this is the energy, you know? Yeah. I have the same thing. I don't have that anymore for dancing, but I have it for acting. Wow. Gosh. To really like explain it in that way express it in that way that you can recall how you felt about dance at that point that you have that now to get into acting that's interesting yeah yeah so what what are you going to do about it that was the thing so when i was in marrakesh i was researching schools i thought okay i I set up a because i'm not all that great with money so i came up with a financial plan like to to basically settle myself in a way that i can go from Marrakesh and jump to London. So I got my contract extended and then I thought, okay, you have to make all the calculations. I thought, right, this is what I need to achieve. I researched the schools, how much do they cost? What's the semesters like? When and where? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, then I thought, once I got that settled, then I can look for an apartment or look for a part-time job and blah, 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 and get in contact. Or I could still maybe do some dancing here and there to get a bit of extra cash. But then COVID decided to fly in everywhere and just take everything, you know, so... That um, that plan of action got swept under the rug or, or to the wayside, if you want to call it that. And now I'm here in Amsterdam, and I'm doing personal training, and I love it. And I'm working together with my physiotherapist. He was the one who really rehabilitated me for my hernias, and now we're working together. To I'm his assistant working underneath him, um, so he does the physical therapy type. He trains also, but when then he gives me some clients, and we do like a package thing with them where he does the strength and fitness training and I do boxing training with him. I remember a few years back as well, I was talking to him about acting and he kept sending me things about schools that I've got open days or this course is here, this course is there, but I never did anything with it. I was I was procrastinating because I was so scared about, I had knew nothing about it in a sense. I was so, I was insecure and I didn't do it. When I looked back over the last year, when I was in Marrakesh and I looked back, I thought, why didn't I just, because the position I could have been in now even if I was only doing lessons, it could have been so much more different. Hindsight's a great thing, you know, and like you're on your path mm. and it's not that it's not going to happen. It's just, there's just a bit of a detour that's happening for everybody right now. And like, if that burning desire is there, Martin, you'll make it happen. It's just, it literally, you're just having to take this little detour for now and something will happen in this time. The experiences you have, the lessons learned, who you're working with, who you're collaborating with, and whatever you're doing, it all, it all just feeds back in. 
You know, you'll make a connection. Somebody will say something. It could be something totty or it could be something absolutely monumental and it'll just project you in the way that you need to be going. And that that's how I feel about it. But it's funny you say like that kind of procrastination and when you were younger, you just jumped two feet in and you were like, do you even care? I'm not even looking. Let's just go. I have that as well. Like I look back at things that I did when I was younger especially like in my Rockettes days when, you know, I went to pro dance and stuff in America. And now I'm like, somebody said, like, you can go tomorrow. I would be absolutely terrified. Like, I don't know if I would go. And it's weird how you think with age, you think you would like get braver, but sometimes you don't. You'll make it happen like you have with all the other things that you've done to this point. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just scares the crap out of me. It scares me. You know what it is? I feel like I haven't, I feel like I've had a great dance career and I've, I've experienced particular things that I think I never thought I would experience. Um, when it comes to this, I feel, when it comes to everything, I feel like I still haven't reached my full potential. I think I still haven't reached my, and I'm like 35 and I'm almost 36 and I'm thinking, what have you been doing all these years? You know, <laughs> what have you done? Because I, I spoke with, uh, I met someone recently and we had a conversation and I brought it up with her and I spoke to her about it. And I was like, I don't think I've, I talked to, I talked to her about the procrastinating thing, about the acting thing. About it. And I said, I don't really think in life in itself, I haven't really reached my full potential yet. Don't I? And she goes, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> she went, I'm glad you said it because when you, the things that you've shown me, or you said it yourself as well, Lisa, like you, you know, you do PT and you, you do videography and you've done spoken word and that. And, the things that, because we have conversations about art, because she's also starting to learn, not starting to learn, but she paints as well. She's moving on and up with the painting. So we talk art in a sense and creativity. And she said, you've got all these little, these things that you do. She said, she said to me, she asked herself, why isn't this guy like taken off? And I was, she said it to me and I thought, you're right about that. <laughs> I was like, why? And I said, well, if you look at my dance career, I feel like I did take off in my dance career. Can't say that I didn't. You know, I did. But when it comes to other aspects of my life and where I wanted to be, where I saw myself, especially at this time, and what I want to achieve in a sense, that I still feel like there's something else there that's deep within me and it needs to be brought to the surface. And I haven't given it its day or its its moment in time yet properly. But that, that's, the, that's a positive thing. I think if you thought you'd done everything at this mm. point, you'd be like, well, what what is there <laughs> to do? Just like... Repeat then, you know, like, I think that's that's great that you've got this burning desire to do other things. Like, you know, it's just like trusting the process or whatever you want to call it, trusting the universe or, do you know what I mean? Like, it'll all work out. Obviously, you will drive yourself in the direction that you need to go. And it's not like, don't, it's not about just letting things happen to you, but mm -hmm. also just know that you're on your your journey and it is exciting that you want to try different things and you feel like you've got more to give. That That's, I think, any creative should feel like that and obviously there's times where you absolutely don't and it's the pits <laughs> so mm, it's good yeah. that you've got that feeling yeah yeah that's uh, uh, good to hear i'm sure you'll like excel in whatever you do like it seems to be to me anyway like anything you do you do it well and you're extremely talented and all that dance career everything you've learned to this point you will be able to take that into the acting world for sure you know, like you've got such stagecraft and stage presence and you understand the workings of theatre and performance mm -hmm. and an audience. Like all of that is already in your armory, like I was saying earlier on. So like you're already somewhat there. 
And I think that's also why I chose to come back to Amsterdam because that the armory that you speak of is what I built here. So it made sense to also come back here for the time being. Because I can speak the language, so I can learn. I can learn. I can go into the the, the classes here, but my, my my gut tells me like you gotta go to London. You don't want to be. Don't be here. You you want to go to London because that's where you know the the higher level of acting is and the the high level of competition, most definitely. And but I'd rather swim the sharks. Yeah, well, it sounds to me you've just always been quite happy to jump in at the deep end and and yeah. then just just figure it out but yeah and like you've got life experience as well like all the things that you've done not just professionally not just all your training and all your performance but literally just growing up essentially like being abroad and on your own and figuring it all out like there's actors that have been have had all manners of jobs and lives before they became actors so it's not like you have to be doing it from day dot do you know what I mean that's right yeah that's that's a good point actually that's a very good point there's no there's no wrong path there's no wrong path like you just have to trust you know your gut instinct which you obviously do and you have done in the past and if you want something enough you'll make a ham i gotta do it it. get it done (laughs) it's so funny like again i believe in all that kind of thing in terms of like so we tried to speak not that long ago but you know it was last year but it didn't happen but it's happening today and you're telling me like you've had this like epiphany and i know obviously you've been thinking about this for a while but it just feels like all oh, meant that getting to talk to you at this moment, this feels like a like a bit of a crossroads for you. Like you're trying to figure out what the next step is, and that's exciting. Like I'm excited for you. Like it's lovely to talk about all the things that you've achieved thus far and kind of catch up with you in terms of dance. And dance will no doubt always be in your life in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, it's just like trying new things and branching out, and that's yeah. the raw brave element of it. You know, like that jumping in with two feet and trying something new, especially when you have got to a point in your career where you could be quite comfy it's like making yourself uncomfortable I think I really admire in people when they do put themselves out their comfort zone so go for it Martin you can do it I appreciate that a lot I really do my, my last question was what's next but I, th- I mean literally who knows <laughs> <laughs> it's all very exciting it's like dot 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 to be continued to be continued for sure definitely and uh, so yeah you're right I'm at a crossroads and there, there are passions of mine that I've that I delve into, into, and that's that's part of my uh, personality actually is to sort of delve and dive into the different passions that I've got. But what was it? What am I meant to do? What am I supposed to be doing? And that's what that was the question that I asked myself, and mm. I found it. I said, yeah, I, I figured out what it is. I just gotta get off my lazy ass and make it work, make it happen. Well, I can't do that for you, but I can. Right. I can give you a pep talk through the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, your pep talk has worked. Your pep talk has worked. You absolutely can do it. Of course you can. So I'm going to take you on to what's called the Hingamajigs. These are random questions that I did not tell you about. Um, they are just to get to know my guests a bit better. Right. So I've picked a few for you. Will you indulge me? I will for sure. Thank yeah. you. Best thing about Scotland? It's two things. It is two things. It's the land and the people. Best advice ever given to you? Oh, that's a library. Uh, there was there was one one piece of advice um, that I got. I heard it. It was um, those who don't learn from the mistakes of their past are doomed to repeat them. Most treasured possession and why? My family pictures. Being away from them for so many years, 
has taught me that I needed to um, I needed to leave them be. I needed to um, see them in, in, in a different light. I needed to not be caught up in what they what their lives were and live my own. Being away from them um, helped me to appreciate who they are, what they've got to offer, and love them even more whilst not being attached. And it was very difficult to learn that lesson um, because it made me sad a lot many times. It made me feel alone many times. It made me feel disconnected as if I wasn't, I didn't have anybody. But that was all myself and a journey that I had to go to to understand that um, they are my brothers and sisters and that is my mother and they will always be that way. If I'm here, there or anywhere, they will always be that way. And then, so I keep the, some pictures in my in my, uh, in my my drawer. Oh, way, 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 way back when I was younger as well. Just a couple, just to remind me of that fact. And the last question, so I switched these up for everyone, but the last question that I ask every single person on the podcast, because it's called the bra and the brave, what's your favourite Scottish word or phrase? <laughs> favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, there's so many of them. There's so many words. Where age did you move to, to, to Scotland at? Uh, I think it was 11, 11 or 12. I spoke with a Scottish accent for a whole year. And then I came back. Yeah, yeah. When, when I was about 11, 12, 12, 13, I spoke with a Scottish right? accent. So I could be more included. And then when I came to second year, I came back after the summer. During that summertime, I thought, because what I did, I spoke Scottish at school, went home and spoke English. So it was really, I was getting annoyed because I wasn't being myself. Ah. When I came back, the first day I came back, I'm going to tell you the story. The first day I came back, right, we went into English and I'd already decided I'm going to speak in my accent. And if you don't like it or if I'm not accepted, then so be it. But I'm not going to change myself anymore. That was the choice that I made earlier. Don't have to make it again. What happens? We had to read a chapter out of the book. Guess who was picked first? Me, <laughs> I had to read that. I thought, Are you kidding me? Right, so anyway, it was the first lesson. So I spoke and I spoke in my accent. Everyone burst out laughing. Everyone was like, What are you doing? So they, they obviously they got to know me as a Scottish person, but anyone who truly talked to me, I told them I'm from Manchester, but I spoke every time in a Scottish accent just so I could be accepted. And I came out with a full blooded. Thick Mancunian accent, thicker than this one. It's softer now, but thicker than this one. And the, the class just burst out laughing. It's like, what are you trying to do? They thought I was being fake. But I didn't even tell my best friend. I didn't tell him. That was bonkers. And he's in the, he was in the same class. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you putting on that accent? You're like, no, this is this is me. This is me. That's mental. So yeah. what would be your favourite word to say in your Scottish accent? I think <laughs> I think the first thing that comes to mind when I um, when I think about Scottish accent, all right, man, you're right. <laughs> if you can see my face right now, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, man. All right, man. All right, man. Good. <laughs> that is hilarious. I remember my I, years ago, my brother came back from he was deployed and he came back and we took the bus somewhere and we were going back home, going back to socket. And he pronounced it. He went, can I have one ticket to Sorky? And I was like, it's not pronounced Sorky, bro. It's like, Sorky. He's like, what do you mean Sorky? I went, no, Sorky as in sock. He went, Sorky? I went, yeah, that's it. 
Oh, the good old days of you and your wee flat and socky. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. It feels like five minutes ago, Martin, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Apparently, it was 15 years ago when we were it was. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We had the world at our feet and we didn't know anything. Totes. Wow. Martin, this has been an absolute joy. Same, for sure. And I'm really glad that we we had this, we had finally got to talk to each other because it's, it's really good to hear your voice and hear you and after all these years. Right back at you, mister. And um, hopefully we'll be able to connect in real life mm. when you're back in Socky. Yeah. <laughs> at some point but yeah I just wish you all the best like I'm excited to see what you get up to next yeah. it's going to be great whatever it is I'll make sure it happens so that I can come back to you and talk to you about it yeah purely purely <laughs> for a podcast episode just go and sort your life out for the Barona Brave you know what I mean I'll I'm... come back to the Barona Brave man <laughs> how have I never heard this accent for this is blowing my tiny mind <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Brawn the Brave podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.